Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of your day you're in. Appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time each day. Hopefully, I'm using it wisely, and hopefully it's helping you and helping the country just a little bit. I sure do appreciate y'all that continue to share the podcast and help it grow. Um, I'm very grateful and humbled by that. We're going to go for one of our little walks. Uh, no puppy dogs as of yet. We'll see. Nobody else either. Just us. A little bit of breeze in the background and the birds. So we're going to talk briefly. It's kind of two subjects rolled into one. You'll see why. About Jacob Duche, if I'm saying that right, 1738 through 1798. An Angelican, Angelican, yeah, clergyman who, at the request of the Continental Congress, opened the first session of Congress with prayer. As recorded in the journals of the Continental Congress, the first official act of Congress, having just received the news that British troops had attacked Boston, was to open in prayer. Tuesday, September the 6th, 1774, resolved that the Reverend Mr. Duchet be desired to open the Congress tomorrow morning with prayers at Carpenter's Hall at 9 o'clock. He read the 35th Psalm, which we'll get to in a minute, and then proceeded to pray. And I'm not sure how much of this we're going to get to today, so we'll just cover what we get to. This is uh, just a little section of his prayer that was offered on September the 7th, 1774. Be thou present, O God of wisdom, and direct the counsel of this honorable assembly. Enable them to settle all things on the best and surest foundations, that the scene of blood may be speedily closed, that order, harmony, and peace may be effectually restored, and that truth and justice, religion and piety, prevail and flourish among the people. Preserve the health of their bodies and the vigor of their minds. Shower down on them and the millions they here represent such temporal blessings as thou seest expedient for them in this world, and crown them with everlasting glory in the world to come. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son and our Savior. Amen. And then the journals of Congress. This is all coming out of, by the way, folks, the America, America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. It's a phenomenal resource if you don't have a copy of it. The journals of Congress record Congress's appreciation to Reverend Mr. Duche. Wednesday, September the 7th, 1774, 9 o'clock a.m., Agreeable to the resolve of yesterday, the meeting was opened with prayers by the Reverend Mr. Duche, voted that the thanks of Congress be given to Mr. Duche for performing divine service and for the excellent prayer which he composed and delivered on the occasion. 
uh, <laughs> I've probably told this little story before, but it just made me think of it when I said, uh, one of the tasks given to us at the basic school, we were going to the Marine Corps, we had to give a, no, it wasn't a speech, but we had to explain <clears throat> certain battle or I want to say it was like five minutes, folks, and we had to get up in front of the other lieutenants we were going through here and give this little explain this. We could use, you know, a little sandbox to kind of show how the battle went down and talk our way through it. And our particular company CO, the way we were broken down into groups of 30 or 40 lieutenants, and each group had a CO who was a captain at the time. Ours gave us a, a fail policy about saying um or uh, and it was pretty low. I want to say the threshold was somewhere between five and seven. If you said um or uh that many times while you were given this little three to five minute explanation of the battle in front of all these lieutenants, it was automatic failure. <laughs> you had to I don't even know if you got to redo it. Uh, you may have just gotten that grade and had to move on with life. Uh, and I did it again. It's it's a hard habit to break once you get into it. But it just kind of made me chuckle. You have to really concentrate sometimes not to say uh and um. So the deal here, folks, we talk about how evil the decision of separation of church and state back in 1947. And I've said the wrong dates a few times. Y'all have to forgive me. I was going back to do some research for an upcoming podcast. It wasn't 42, 43. It was 47. And we're going to talk about that case a little bit coming up in one of the podcasts. But the separation of church and state decision was just by a group of Supreme Court justices that were supposed to know the history and heritage of our country was either grossly ignorant or malevolent. Uh, the way they twisted Jefferson's words to mean what they didn't in the first place and used them to promote this wall of separation. It's just absurd. It, for those of y'all that have listened to this podcast for very long at all, you can tell now. By your own knowledge, our country consistently turned to God. The idea of the First Amendment was not to keep faith in God the Father, and specifically Christian folks. This is not even, the First Amendment was not even created to elevate all religions to equality. It was to keep denominations of Christianity from fighting amongst each other. So we're a Christian republic. Our founders turned to Christ frequently. As we see here, the very first thing they did in Continental Congress was what? Turn to God in prayer. Very first thing. Now, how in the world would you take a body of men that, that started with prayer to God the Father of Jesus Christ and somehow our Supreme Court in 1947 became suddenly so much wiser and better equipped than these men and decided, well, no, that's not really what they meant. They didn't really want God involved in public life. That was a mistake because the list of mistakes that you're going to have to go through, as you've seen on this podcast, if you've been here for a while, and I've just barely scratched the surface, folks, and I really mean that. I've just barely scratched the surface. 
is exhausting. The amount of evidence that they had to ignore to assume the founders wanted to completely alienate God and Jesus Christ, his son, out of public life, not private life, public life and institutions is mind boggling. That's why for me personally, and you don't know other men's hearts, I, I, or Jesus Christ, don't use a measure on others that you don't want used on yourself. But it is very difficult for me to believe that there was a, not a large level of evil presence in that decision. Because if you know anything, and I don't even know a lot here, folks, we're learning together. And as I said, I'm just scratching the surface. But if you know anything about the history of our country, you know that up until that decision in 1947, God was inexorably tied into the public life and policies of our nation. Did we always get it right? No, absolutely not. And that's where the left really tries to come in and, and take advantage, right? They're saying, oh, well, what about this and this? Yeah. Slavery, of course, is one they always use. We've seen the riots caused by that over the last few years. Black Lives Matter, just the continual affirmative action that's been here forever. Obviously, not an example where we follow the teachings of Christ. And yet, what they always fail to mention, as so many, they leave off key pieces. What were the primary types of people who brought about the destruction of slavery that called for that action that led to the Civil War and the emancipation of the slaves? They were Christians, people following the teachings of Christ in both their private and public lives. John Quincy Adams, our president, who then became a representative for a number of years, called the, the hell, hellhound, I think, of slavery or something along those lines because he fought it so ardently, folks. I need to go back and check that title. I'm not sure that's right. But he fought slavery his entire career and pulled. He knew. We've used him often here that God had to be part of our public lives. So this Continental Congress is just one example, this first prayer where our country, our founders, immediately turned to God and Jesus Christ as their very first act. And I wanted to read from John Adams. He wrote to his wife about the response but I want to go ahead and read. So one of the parts that the Reverend Duche actually read was for that day, it was Psalm 35. And you got to keep in mind that they had just received news the day before that Boston was being bombed with cannon by the British. And so they were they were in a very anxious state, to say the least. And so think about that as you listen to these words. I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 35. This is, folks, this is our history. This is our heritage. This is what was read, asked to be read as the very first act, these prayers and this psalm of our country, of our Continental Congress. So... And there's a number of different versions, folks. I, I would assume that the, the King James Version is the one that would re was read. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and re read the version from the 
uh, New American Standard Bible, but you can read whichever one you would like. I think you'll still get the point here. This is a Psalm of David, a prayer for rescue from enemies. you got to keep in mind again that, that they had just gotten news that Boston was being bombed by the British. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up as my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For they hid their net for me without cause. Without cause they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him when he is unaware. And let the net which he hid catch him. Let him fall into that very destruction. So my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you? Who rescues the afflicted from one who is too strong for him? And the afflicted and the poor from one who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, but my prayer kept returning to me. I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down in the morning like one who mourns for a mother. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. The afflicted people whom I did not know gathered together against me. They slandered me without ceasing, like godless jesters at a feast. They gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my soul from the ravages, from their ravages, my only life from the lions. I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among a mighty people. Do not let those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me, nor let those who hate me for no reason wink maliciously. For they do not seek peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They opened their mouth wide against me. They said, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen it, Lord. Do not keep silent. Lord, do not be far from me. Stir yourself and awake to my right and to my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, Lord my God, according to your righteousness. And do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their heart, Aha, 
our desire. Do not let them say we have swallowed him up. May those be ashamed and altogether humiliated who rejoice at my distress. May those who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and dishonor. May those shout for joy and rejoice who take delight in my vindication. And may they say continually, the Lord be exalted. Who delights in the prosperity of his servant? And my tongue shall proclaim your righteousness and your praise all day long. Psalm 35, folks. First day of the Continental Congress, first act of the Continental Congress, first prayer of the Continental Congress. And the Reverend Duchesne, one snippet of his prayer at some point, or maybe multiple prayers. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, to thy Son and our Savior. Amen. Folks, our country has always turned to God publicly until the last 80 years in this horrific decision of separation of church and state, which has led to every other single thing we see today, feminism, LGBTQ, critical race theory, illegal immigration, socialism and communism, abortion, the whole gamut, folks all goes back to the fact that we, as a Christian republic, rejected God from our public lives. And so where do you have to start, though, right? You have to start in the individual lives. We always go back. We just talked about John Adams, moral and religious people. We have to make that decision internally first, folks, because we're either going to be ruled. I can't pull this quote off the top of my head, but we're either going to be ruled by the Bible or the bayonet somewhere. I'll go back and look for it. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. The, the more corrupt people are, folks, the more laws you have to have. We have got to start to fix ourselves internally and, and really change our priorities, folks. If we say that God, family, and country are our priorities, then we have to act like it. Our actions, our time, what we spend our money and our effort on, those things have to reflect what we claim our priorities are. We're not going to be perfect. We can't wait. You know, the Marine Corps, they always said 75% solution. When you have about 75% of the knowledge and the idea, you got to execute. Because there comes a point when you wait for too much information, you give the enemy too great an advantage. We're not going to find perfect people. We're not going to become perfect people, but we strive for that perfection exemplified in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Our country always has. And when we make a mistake, we turn around and go the opposite direction like C.S. Lewis talked about to fix it. But we've got to start to make our lives look different than what they look like right now. And then we've got to unapologetically and unequivocally demand that our country go back to God in our public lives, our education system. Have to. First prayer, folks, and that's Psalm 35. Pretty impressive. Just something to think about. Sure to appreciate y'all joining me for this little walk. 
Appreciate your time. Appreciate y'all sharing. God bless y'all. God bless America. God bless your families. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.